Good morning. How are you all doing this morning? So good to be here with you. Um, as Jeff said, um, a couple years ago, my wife and I, and actually our family, transitioned out of senior ministry at our church to open a coffee shop. And uh, just to give you just a little rundown of how that even came about is God had been impacting my heart for a number of years where I was challenging our body to realize and recognize the intricate part that each of us play. A lot of times when we think of ministry, we think of this here, maybe the pastor, the worship team. Um, But I truly believe that God has called us to be the body of Christ and to do ministry right where we're at, you know. Uh, whether you're a mechanic or a doctor or a nurse or you work at McDonald's, like God is wanting to use you, the church, to be the church outside the walls of the church. Little did I realize in that passion that I had for others that God would call me to take that step of faith. It's been incredible um, to watch what God's done in our community through this business where our whole heart is to share the love of Jesus through giving people a cup of coffee and hopefully getting to share the story about the Lord with them. And so anyway, just wanted to share that with you. I am totally honored to be here with you this morning to get to open God's word. Um, This morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. So if you guys want to make your way there, um, the title of the message that I've given this this morning is Drawing near to God, uh, what it does and does not look like. Um, And as you make your way there, um, if we could just take a moment to uh, just surrender our hearts and our minds uh, to the Lord, uh, just asking Him, believing in Him. He wants to do something this morning in each of us. So let's, uh, let's just pause for a moment. Father, we do just thank you for this moment at this time where we could stop and we could look at your word. God, we realize unless you are in the house, Lord, nothing is going to happen. But God, if you would show up, if you would speak, Lord, our hearts will change. And that's our prayer this morning, that, God, you'd come. Lord, meet us right where we are. Father, help us uh, to see what we don't see. And, God, especially help us to see this morning more of who you are, that we might leave here closer. God, we just thank you. We commit this time to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And the church said... Amen. I have a question I'd like to begin with this morning, a a serious question that I'd like you to just consider within yourself, and and that is this, like, what is your proximity to the Lord right now? Like, in regards to relationship with God, where's that at? Like, if God is here, like, like, where are you in proximity to him. You know, maybe some of you come in this morning and you're like, man, I am like right up here in his business and we're tight and things are well. And, 
You know, some of you may honestly um, confess this morning that, that you feel like the proximity to the Lord has maybe drifted and, and maybe you're, you're, you find yourself kind of maybe over here. Um, maybe you're in a place of even indifference. We can get there sometimes. Um, some may describe, you know, a wall, <laughs> like God's there, I'm here, and it just feels like there's a giant wall between me and him right now. And, and some may honestly say, like, my proximity to God is, man, I am going like this as far as I can get. And, and, re- and really, honestly, it's just you talking to yourself right now, like only you could answer that. Um, I, I can tell you this with all certainty. I know that the Lord longs for all of us to have close proximity to him. Um, and, and I think that there are a lot of things that prevent that closeness to the Lord that I would pray even this morning um, that those walls might be broken down, that we might find ourselves drawing closer. There, there's a promise given to us in James. I love it. It says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. I love that verse. But that, that verse also with the promise kind of poses a problem sometimes because like, okay, like draw near to God, but like what, what does that look like? like? Like how can I practically draw near to him? And maybe even some of you in, in your desire to be closer to God have, have sought to get closer to him. And maybe you've kind of come up just frustrated because it's like I've tried, I've called, I've said, I've spoke, I've done this, I've done that. And, and maybe you're not experiencing him. Well, God wants us to see him. Something I'm thoroughly, completely, totally convinced of. Um, What keeps us in far proximity from God is a failure to see God for who he is. Because I believe with all my heart, like if we would really see, if our eyes were unveiled and I could truly see God for who he is, I, I I think every one of us would desperately run and throw ourselves at his feet. And, and I believe one of the biggest obstacles in us being close to the Lord is the failure to see him, him for who he truly is. I believe that that is why God has done what he has done. And if you stop and think about it, like the God of creation stepped out of glory, stepped out of heaven, the place of perfection and peace, And he came here as a man in the person of his son. For what purpose? Well, one of those purposes would be to reveal to us what he looks like. And if you want to know what God the Father looks like, then look at the person of Jesus. For Jesus reveals to us the Father. And while Jesus was here on this earth, He was seeking to reveal the Father to the people, and he often did that through analogies, parables, and stories. Most often when he spoke to people, he spoke in such a way. This morning we're going to look at Luke 15, uh, not the entirety of, of this section, but in this section there's three parables that he gives, all with the purpose of revealing to the people who God was, what God was about, 
and for people to understand who they were, where they were at. And I believe the goal of this whole section would be to see God, that we might run to God. Now we're going to only look at, again, one of the parables, the last parable. But before we do, I want to draw your attention attention to to the beginning, uh, verse 1 through 3, where we read these words. It says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners, and he eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying. The first thing I'd have us catch is this. Isn't it interesting who it was primarily that were drawing near to Jesus while he was on this earth? And who wasn't drawing near? And you see it clearly right here in these three verses. Who was drawing near primarily to Jesus when he walked the earth were, were the sinners, were the tax collectors, the harlots, the prostitutes, the outcasts, the broken. And, and it's such a kick. These that would have been the least likely were the ones that were running to him, having their eyes unveiled to the goodness of God and coming to Jesus. And the likely group that you would think that would be coming to him, the scribes, those that studied the scriptures, the Pharisees, those that were all about keeping the rules and the laws and the traditions that God had set forth, Like here, the Messiah, God himself has stepped down. And those that were very religious, those that you would think would be seeing him, were missing him. Why why is it that they were missing him? Well, it would be that they had set up things in their own mind of who God was by even looking at his scriptures, they, they missed the, the big picture of what God was doing. Now, I truly believe this comes to you and I as believers, even as a word of warning, that we could do the same thing. Uh, it's possible for us as Christians and those that are seeking the Lord, if we're not careful, we get up, caught up in our own traditions, our own religion, that sometimes actually prevents us from drawing closer to the Lord because we make something the Lord that isn't the Lord. And my challenge to you as a believer, as I challenge myself, is, man, Lord, may you continually, like, break my heart and help me to see and help me to come to that place where I realize I have not arrived and uh, you are much bigger than what I've seen and there's more of you to see. So as we consider this parable this morning, again, Jesus' goal is that the people would see God and that they would see themselves and where they were at. And obviously the hope would be that they would run to him. So we're going to move on down to verse 11 and we're going to look at the parable, parable that I'm sure most of you are familiar with. It's known as the parable of the prodigal son. 
I think it should be called the parable of the loving father, but we'll go with the parable of the prodigal son. So it says here in verse 11, then he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And so here, Jesus shares this parable about a dad and about two sons. And I cannot help but believe that as he is sharing this this story, this physical, practical story, he again is seeking to give us a spiritual truth, the father being a picture of the father, God, uh, and these two different sons being the picture of those mentioned at the beginning of this chapter, the religious and the sinner and tax collector. The story goes that this young son, the younger of the two, asks his dad to give him his portion of goods, which um, wasn't what normally would happen. You normally wouldn't get your portion of goods until your dad was dead or on his death grave, as we see at various places in Scripture, as Abraham did this with his sons. But this kid wanted his portion now. He wasn't finding contentment in just being in close proximity with his dad. He believed the lie that a lot of us believe, that, man, I I need the goods. I need the money. I need to do what I want to do. I've got plans. I've got thoughts. And, And he believed that he could find contentment in these things. And, and, and it, it's so true of us so often. So often, like when we look at God, I think we often look at him as what, what can you give me rather than looking at him as a gift himself. And, um, and if our hearts are like in that place, that's always a good like checkpoint thermometer, if you will, to let you know where you're at. Like, if you're looking at more of like, what can God give me? Then you're probably like, like headed in the wrong proximity to God. Well, in this story, um, and again, this being a picture, I believe, of, of the Lord that Jesus is seeking to share, I think it's interesting. What does the dad do? The dad gives this kid his free will. And he says, you can have it. Here you go. Split it up. And he gave it to him. You know, and, and a lot of times, you know, I mean, God does. He allows us to choose that path that we want to walk in. And, and even when that path sometimes is going to be destructive for us, um, maybe even for the purpose to bring us to the place of realizing, as we'll see in our story, uh, that it's the wrong way. But just noting that God... Um, or this father, in this case, gave this son what he asked for. Well, moving on, uh, the younger man, um, after receiving these things, it says, verse 13, there wasn't many days after that the younger son gathered all together, and he journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions on prodigal living. And so, He got what he was wanting, and he definitely had something in his heart, and his heart was set on partying, you know, wanted to go out there and just live it up, probably thought it would last forever, and uh, he wasted it all on prodigal living, and uh, quickly we see what 
happens or what took place, it says, but when he had spent all there, there arose a severe famine in that land and he began to be in want. You might mark that in your Bible. You might underline that in your Bible because truly um, when we take this same attitude with God and just simply see him as the gift giver and when we simply think that we're going to go find contentment in all of the money or the things of the world, guys, always, always, this is going to be the end game. It might take a little while, but it is always going to come to this place where all is spent and want enters into the heart. Now, in verse 15, it says, he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country. Now, I want to pause there, and I want you to think about this for a moment. Here, this kid went and blew all of his money. He's broken. He's busted. Why, at this point, did he not turn tail and go back to dad? Why didn't he go home at this point? Rather, he went and joined himself to a farmer that was in that land. And I don't think it takes a rocket science to figure that out. Like, he was in shame, right? He probably was like, oh my gosh, you know, I have blown it. Dad's going to be mad at me. Dad's going to reject me. No doubt shame had entered his heart. Maybe he had that thought even at this point. Uh, I'll go and I'll join myself to this farmer. I'll earn back what I've lost. And then, you know, maybe one day I can you know, show my face in front of my father again. But the story goes on to tell us that after he joined himself to the citizen of that country, he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And it says he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. And so things go from bad to worse. Like he was in want and now trying to fix things, make himself better, get back what he lost, he, he actually comes to a place where he is just simply longing to eat what the pigs are eating. He was in a broken, broken place. But the best part, or one of the best parts of this entire story comes to us in verse 17. And this, here in verse 17, it's like when the light bulb like just clicked on for this guy. When he comes to himself, listen to what it says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? So this right here is gonna be the turning point where this young man's proximity of going away from his father is going to cause him to turn and begin to return to his father. He came to himself. The light turned on. But two key things we catch in this verse that show what it was and why it was that he came to himself. And I want you to catch him. Again, it says, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? And the first one that I would point out to you is the second one that's listed here. He came to the place where he realized, I 
perish with hunger. I'm going to die. So he recognized the condition of his true position. If I stay on this path, like I am a dead man. And this is truly one of the key things in us drawing near to God is finally coming to a place where we realize and recognize like, I cannot do this life without God. If I continue on the course that I am in, I am going to just be dead. We've got to come to that place of that brokenness where we realize that there is nothing that we're going to contribute. There's no uh, ability that we're going to give that's all of a sudden going to make us acceptable in the Lord's sight. We need to realize that we are dead apart from him and apart from his help for us. But, but that, that isn't the only thing he recognized uh, if he'd only recognize that, and if we only recognize that, that becomes condemnation and, and guilt, and then we just like continue to run in the wrong direction. But, but the key thing that he caught was what it says there in the beginning. He says, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? He like sat there, and he's looking at this guy that he's joined himself to that's not even giving him what the pigs are eating, but he remembers like, wait a minute, like my dad is like, like his servants, they don't only eat, they've got food to share with other people. He, he's remembering at this moment, his father is a father of care and a father of love. And, and guys, this is the turning point that draws us to the Lord is to recognize the goodness and the grace and the love of our father. I think if we're, we're truthful with ourselves, a lot of times we look at God as like this angry God that's just kind of like waiting like for you to mess up and he's just going to you know, squish you under his feet. When, when in fact the opposite is so true of who our God is, our God, again, as I said, stepped out of heaven to come to this earth in the whole pursuit of you and of me. It's so good for us to really pause and think about like who God is and what he did. I mean, he could have looked at us down here doing what we do, seeing our sin, and just said, forget them. But rather he left like his comfort and chose to enter into a physical body as you and I have to endure physical pain even as you and I experience, to experience loss, to experience trial, to experience tribulation, to experience tribulation and temptation, all of that to then eventually offer himself on a cross to be beaten and experience the most brutal death for the sole purpose of paying for every sin that you and I have committed. Oh, that God would have us see how much he loves us and to the extent that he's gone to to show us his love. 
It was as this young man saw his father's love and saw the condition of his position. The light clicked on and his heart changed. And we see that change come immediately in the next words um, here in verse 18. Notice what he says. He says, I will arise and I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but make me like one of your hired servants. When, when, when the light clicked on and he saw his dad as a dad of love, notice the, the word change that happens from the beginning of this story when he's just looking at dad as a, 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 just a gift giver. He says, give me what I want. But when he sees his dad as a loving father, he comes to that place of going, now make me. You obviously have a better plan than I could ever come up with. Make me what you want me to be. Just make me a servant. I'm happy to just be a servant in your hands. And you see this heart change. And you guys, a lot of times we're trying to change. And we talked about, for some of you with the couples retreat last night, we try to make changes in our life to somehow be acceptable to God. I'm going to do this. We make commitments. I'll go to church every Sunday. I'll start reading my Bible. I'll tell people about you. We make these commitments that, that actually come from our flesh. They're coming from our ability, our desire. Uh, when we're trying to like somehow appease God so that we can come back to him. But, but it's when we see the Father's love and we see our brokenness and inability to ever be able to do good enough, that's where that heart change comes. And, and no, it's no longer something that you're trying to do. It's just something that's being produced by God in you. You come to that place, just make me. And you want to run to him rather than from him. Well, the story gets really good at this point. If you've read it, pretend like it's the first time. It says in verse 19, he's going to go and he's going to say, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he arose and he came to his father but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Right here again, we see this picture of the father's love. And, and, and Jesus has already done this in the other two parables. If you want to go back, go back and read those. Because the other two parables deal totally with revealing how God is a pursuing God. How the, the sheep that got lost and he went and left the 99, pursued that sheep. The other was about the woman that, that lost the precious coin and she searched high and low. And, and we see yet here again a picture of what God does, what God's doing and he's doing even in your life today and you might not even realize it, is he is pursuing you. When he saw his son, obviously he was looking and he was waiting because it was still a far distance off. And when he saw him, he had compassion and he ran to him and he fell on him. Guys, do you know that we have a compassionate God? 
Do, do you know that we have a God that understands our predicament, understands our, our feelings, under, understands our emotions? I love what it tells us in Hebrews chapter 4. We have not a high priest in heaven who doesn't get us, but rather he was tempted in every single way that you and I have been tempted. Why, why would he do that? Why would he put himself through that? It says there at the end of Hebrews 4, so that we might come boldly to the throne of grace, the grace of compassion to find help in time of need. Just a a real quick side trail for me personally. That verse hit me in such a powerful way as I was pastoring and had been called upon a a funeral to do for a two-year-old child that had passed away and actually had just buried her mother a few months earlier. And um, I get this call that this young girl has died. And um, just being totally real with you guys, I was just absolutely broken and mad and irritated as I sat on my bed. My God, are you serious? Are you serious? Why? I just walked with this family through like desperation of losing their daughter. Now I'm going to walk with them through their granddaughter. And God, like, honestly, God, I don't get you right now. And I'm being called to go bring encouragement to a group of people that, honestly, I, I, I don't know how to go get that because I don't got it right now because I don't get you. And even as I'm talking to God, God would remind me of Hebrews 4. You have a high priest who is tempted in every way that you and I are. And as God throws that verse at my heart, I said, well, wait a minute. (laughs) Was Jesus ever tempted to ask you why? And no sooner are the words coming from my mouth. God brought the picture of the cross and our Lord hanging there saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And though my mind couldn't entirely and still doesn't wrap around that God becoming a man, hanging upon a cross, he being God would allow himself as a man to come to the place to, at that moment, as sin bore upon him, he said, why, to God. And God hit me with something that was so special and changed my heart. Because God revealed to me, Cliff, I'm not asking you to get me. But I want you to know, I do get you. I do know what you're experiencing right now. And that is enough for you to run to my throne of glory to find help in time of need. Our God is a compassionate God that went to the very depths, uh, further than anything that any of us have ever or will ever go through for the purpose of us to be able to run to him in our time of need. Our Father's compassionate. And we're reminded of that here again in this story. This dad sees his son, runs, wraps his arm around him, kisses him, squeezes him. God today is just waiting for many of us just to turn, to see his love. He's waiting with those same open arms that's wanting to embrace us, to love on us. 
it goes on, it gets better. Not only does he get a hug and a kiss and an embrace, he says to his dad, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And, and I want you to catch this dad cuts him off. He doesn't even get to finish saying what he was going to say. He had this whole thing planned out. Like he's going to throw out and listen to what his dad says. And he arose, oh, excuse me, uh, verse 21. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in you and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He didn't even get a chance to say the second part that he had planned out. Look at verse 22. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found and they began to be merry. And so here this tremendous party takes place as the son comes home. Boy, I'm sure he had no idea that this is what was ahead of him as he came to him. And I'm convinced that many of us have no idea. Well, it says it hasn't even entered into the heart of man, the things that God have planned for him, as we run to our Father, as we connect ourselves to him. So here this party is underway. And um, oftentimes when I've taught this section, it's kind of where I've I've stopped. And um, honestly, I, I think we would miss one of the most powerful parts of this parable that Jesus is conveying. For remember, there's not just one son, but two. And in verse 25, it says, now his older son was in the field and he came and he drew near to the house and he heard the music and the dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father's killed the fatted calf. It says, but he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and he pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as the son of yours came, who devoured your livelihood with harlots, you kill the fatted calf for him? And he said to him, son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and now is found. This story honestly shouldn't be called the parable of the prodigal son, but the prodigal sons. And I'll tell you this, why? Because yes, one physically was prodigal in his physical. He moved away, he went and did this, he went and did that. But this other son that was at home, this seemingly religious son at home that was near proximity to dad, but far from him in so many ways, and we know that because of what he says. See, see, what this younger son had come to realize is dad's love was not um, given to him because he had been a good guy. It was simply being given to him because his dad was a good dad. Where this other son, 
who had been in close proximity physically, he thought his father's love was based upon his merit and what he was going to do and what he had done. He hadn't come to the same enlightenment, this understanding the condition of his position. His dad loved him just like he loved his other son, but he hadn't come there yet. And I totally think that that's where the, the Pharisees and the scribes were. They had the word. They, they studied the word. They had their traditions. They went to Sabbath. They did these things. But they thought that they were earning God's merit and love. And they still hadn't come to that place to realize, no, it was a free gift. And until they realized the condition that they had nothing to offer, that they couldn't have that close proximity to God as these tax collectors and sinners were. Church, God today would speak to us and want us to know, I am longing for you to be in close proximity to me. And it does come on the condition of you recognizing your position, that, that you're dead in your sin, and that you're separate and can't be good enough to come to God and to see his love for you and to embrace that and accept that. And and even as we looked at last night, for those that were here in Colossians, as you received him, so walk in him. This isn't a one-time thing that God is wanting us to do, but he's wanting us to continually recognize, apart from you, I can do nothing but in you. I'm made righteous. I'm made whole. God would long for each of us to see that identity today that we have in Christ. If you've accepted him as your Savior, he looks today and he, he sees righteous, whole. He wants us to continually rest in that. For in that is where that change comes. To say, make me God. Do with me God. That's that place where that fruit abounds from our lives. I think I, I would be doing an injustice today if I just closed here with, with an amen. But... I would like to give an invitation to you today. As I asked you at the beginning, your proximity to the Lord and where it was at, like, I'd love to give you the invitation today to make that venture towards the Lord. And how does that happen? Well, it simply happens again by recognizing the condition of your position. Confess with your mouth that you're a sinner. Confess with your mouth, God, I can't do this. And rejoice in your heart. But God, thank you for doing it for me on the cross. I accept wholly what you did when you died for me on the cross. And and today, maybe that is something you've never done. And God is calling you today to, to just trust him as your savior. Would you guys pray with me? This morning, if you're here and you feel that God is speaking to your heart and that you, you, the light clicked on for you today, just like it did for that young man, you, you get it. Like, It's not about what I'm going to do, but what he did. And you want to accept him as your savior. I would just ask you to extend your hand 
right where you're at today. This is between you and the Lord, but it's a point and a place of you making that connection. And in a moment, I would like to just simply lead you in a prayer. So if you'd like to do that today, you'd like to trust Christ as your Savior, I just ask you to extend your hand where you're at today. And then maybe there's some of you out there today that you've, you've believed, you know what I'm talking about, but you know that you've gotten your eyes back on your own trying to be good enough to be right with God. And today you want to just confess that and confess once again Him as your Lord, your Savior. If you'd like to do that today, extend your hand. The Lord sees your hands today. He sees those hands. More importantly, he sees your heart. Pray with me today. Just a a prayer again, as the scripture would say, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, receive that salvation. Or if it's a salvation you've already received, experience and rest in it again. Pray with me today. Father, You know me. God, you know my brokenness. You know my tendency to just drift from you, to try to do it alone. God, I confess I can't fix myself. I can't make myself be good enough. But thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for resurrecting from the grave. Thank you for forgiving me and washing me and making me new. I trust you. I love you. Make me, God, what you want me to be. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Thank you guys so much for allowing me to share with you today.